What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, okay. hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Jazz, the two-man power trip of wrestling. He's now big forearms to Joe. And look at Joe. He is tired. More and more people are starting to stand, Bauer. Aries looks like he's going for it again. No, Joe catches him. Oh. Joe unleashing the heavy artillery on Aries. I think he's going for the muscle buster puck. I think he could blow on Austin Aries right now and it'd be over. Look at Joe, though. Look at that look on his face. Roderick Strong screaming words of encouragement. Oh, here they are, here it comes. It's going to be all over the Muscle Buster. Joe's going to the 2005 as champion. Crucifix bomb. whether you're ready or not but this is the two-man power trip of wrestling uh brought to you today usually by the wwe network but we're gonna shelve the wwe network promotion for for a little while here just for for a hot minute because we're kind of doing an impromptu release of today's episode featuring the greatest man to ever live the one and only 
Austin Aries. Now, we did not get a chance to publish an episode of the Triple Threat podcast this week because of our dubious partner, the franchise, Shane Douglason, is very busy travel schedule. Uh, and the fact that uh, every time we try to get it done, it just wasn't really working out. So what we're doing as a little bit of a gift is throwing this guy out here a little bit early so you can enjoy an amazing chat that John had with Austin Aries just in time for this coming Sunday's TNA, or excuse me, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary event, uh, the 16th Slammiversary event, an unprecedented amount of marquee events here for Impact Wrestling, this time with Austin Aries really being such a big focal point of this show and being involved in the World Heavyweight Championship. But I got to tell you something, too, here, John, as I as I get you in here. You and Austin Aries had an amazing chat. And just to listen to it, because uh, you recorded this as I was moving into my uh, house, so it was a little tough for me to join you. But you guys got a chance to talk about a lot of stuff. And with Austin Aries, he's a very relaxed guy. So I'm hoping that the fans can kind of understand that this is an interview I know you were chomping at the bit to conduct, and Austin Aries for you, you two rapping back and forth, perfect mix. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I always wanted to interview. I've been waiting to get him on the show patiently for basically since we started over three and a half years ago. I've basically been waiting to get him on. Always on the top of my list of one of my favorites, just always one of those guys that I really wanted to talk to and kind of delve deep into some of his Ring of Honor days. And I used to go to, basically when ROH started, I used to go to all those shows. I mean, oh my God, I was looking through my tickets one day. Oof, Ring of Honor got a ton of my money. I was at a ton of those shows. And when, obviously, there was an issue there, and Daniels left, and AJ left, and Samoa Joe was leaving, and ROH kind of needed some stars, and they needed some guys to step up. And boy, did Generation Next step up. And Austin Aries stepped up beyond belief, and he became a huge, huge star for them. I mean, obviously, it was kind of the, the transition period for Ring of Honor. We talk about it in depth in this interview. When Austin Aries beats Samoa Joe at Final Battle in 2004 for the Ring of Honor World Championship, it's one of the greatest moments in wrestling, and it's one of the greatest moments that I've been to live. Chad, I know you were there live as well. And we get to experience Gabe Sapolsky, who was the booker of Ring of Honor at that point, go absolutely apeshit. So, I mean, it was such a cool experience. The whole crowd went nuts. We went nuts. I mean, quite an experience. It was finally great to talk to Austin Aries 14 years after the fact. But we finally were able to talk about that moment in time and talk about so many moments that he had in Ring of Honor. We also talk about some moments he had in TNA Wrestling. I mean, we just run the gamut. So many different things that we talked about. We didn't really talk too much about Slammiversary and his match with Moose, but we do talk about his current run in Impact Wrestling and what he's been able to do there and how he's kind of been almost a, a free agent, so to speak. Leaving WWE when he did, leaving WWE how he did, you'd think, like, oh, oh man, you know, what is he going to do now? He's done. Uh, you know, kiss him goodbye. You know, he's going to go in the way of, of a um, Aaron Stevens, and we're not going to hear from him. Uh, for a while and, and you know I can't think of like a million other guys that you just think if that left WBF or excuse me WB and just didn't do anything you think thinking oh Austin Aries what is he going to do now well boom he is literally everywhere the belt collector just collecting belts all over this continent and then all over the friggin world he's really been he's been collecting belts and just becoming a huge huge star and I feel like his stock has really never been higher than it is now 
obviously being the Impact World Champion again. I mean, what a run he's had there. So sometimes when you leave the WWE, just never know what's going to happen. And his stock went supremely, supremely way higher than it than it ever has been, and it is right now because he's just on fire. And he's been kind of one of those guys where it's like he's a free agent. He'll show up on Impact. He'll show up in Ring of Honor again. He'll show up anywhere. He'll show up in England. I mean. Australia, he's just all over the place. And I just love what he's been able to do and love what he's doing now. And this is one of my favorite interviews just for the fact that he's one of my favorite wrestlers. What an unbelievable talent. And if you're going to be watching Slammiversary this Sunday live and only on pay-per-view for his main event match against Moose, I can guarantee one thing. You will not be disappointed. I talk about the icing on the cake for this kind of revival again of impact, but the cool thing about it is like with a whole new cast of characters and, and guys that are really just busting their ass to get the product over. And you look at the card and you see uh, Matt Seidel versus a Brian Cage for the X Division Championship. You see LAX <laughs> versus Hernandez and Homicide, which you gotta love, as well as a House of Hardcore rules with Eddie Edwards taking on Tommy Dreamer. I mean, this is a pretty uh, impressive card to say the least. And you can't forget Pentagon Jr. versus Sammy Callahan. I mean, it's a a revitalized Impact Wrestling and Austin Aries at the helm there against Moose in the main event for the Impact Championship. Again, just like you said in relation to the uh, to the night he beat Samoa Joe, it's always a big match with Austin Aries uh, involved. And uh, since he did depart WWE, it's pretty uh, it was pretty cool to see what he's done. And the belt collector is uh, dominated for sure. And John, we got a chance to talk to him briefly in Philadelphia at the end of last year. It's actually no, it's the beginning of this year. And again, he's just such a humble guy in person. And even to bring that up to him that we were at that show, uh, again, just he's, he's just a, a very humble person. But again, the character is a very cocky character. So it's a cool mix, you know, that you kind of get. But to go back to that night that he beat Samoa Joe and the raw emotion that you felt from Gabe Sapolsky as he saw his booking decision pay off and you saw the fans going legit ape shit after he beat Samoa Joe and after Samoa Joe's stranglehold on the Ring of Honor Championship uh, from that early tenure of ROH. When you think about that, how does that rank up with some of the other moments you've attended in terms of a wrestling event, John? Because it's up there for me, uh, without a doubt, because we didn't see it coming. We always thought Joe was going to uh, beat, beat whoever he was wrestling, go on to be the champion forever. But that night, Aries, uh, he definitely got one up on Samoa Joe. So many different shows that I've been to over the years. I mean, it's been hundreds. So, I mean, there's so many different great memories, and I can you know list a bunch, but I don't want to stick on Aries, obviously, because he's our guest today. Man, it, testing the limit versus Brian Danielson was awesome. Uh, there was a great match at the Rexplex against Loki. I mean, not like crazy level uh, of, of the Danielson match or even the Samoa Joe match, but just those, those two I really, really enjoyed, and I just loved all his Matches Ring of Honor was just great. Final battle ranks up there pretty high. I love testing the limit. Um, when he wrestled uh, Survival of Fittest, and he's in the finals against Danielson, he ended up losing that match. But just an awesome match, and those two going at it. I'm just trying to think of some other some other great great Austin Aries moments. Even when uh, he loses to CM Punk in New Jersey, and Punk becomes the the world champion, kind of sets off the summer of Punk. Love that match because the crowd was so invested and they really thought Aries was going to win and they were shocked when Punk won and kind of you know took his title and and became the whole you know summer of Punk signing his contract in the WWE title. I mean it was it was just 
such a cool moment that he was a part of there. Um, there was a, an eight-man tag in, in Philly when Generation Next were really making a name for himself that he was a part of, and he kind of stole the show. I mean, man, there's just so many moments with him that just stick out. Uh, I'll just say Techno Limits, Survival of the Fittest, and, and Final Battle versus Mojo are, are definitely some of my favorites. I mean, man, if you think about him and his in his career, he just looks like, wow. This guy just puts on barn burners. I mean, good match after good match, and what a hell of a worker. One of those guys that may not get the credit for it or, you know, or maybe just get forgotten, but really a glue guy and really one of the main guys that held Ring of Honor together. Look where Ring of Honor is now. I mean, they're going to MSG with New Japan next year. I mean, they're, they're having their highest buy rates, they're having their highest attendance. None of that happens if Ring of Honor falls apart and Ring of Honor didn't have the guy after Samoa Joe that could really hold it together and the guy that can just put on those classics that those fans were used to. Ring of Honor isn't where they are today without a guy like Austin Aries. That's right. And uh, who would have thought that Impact Wrestling would be able to bring him back into such a strong position and uh, not acknowledge the history of Austin Starr? Who uh, had hmm. who had a great little run there in uh, in the early uh, part of TNA? If you haven't seen Austin Star, it's a different side of Austin Aries that uh, t- I give TNA credit at the time for uh, trying to do something different. But um, and actually, John, I mean, you loved that that time those X Division vignettes with Kevin Nash. It, w- it ended up working out pretty good in terms of that comedic value. But uh, it was better to let Austin Aries be himself, especially since he was dominating in Ring of Honor just uh, around that time as well. So with all that being said, we appreciate you checking in on this episode. We thought we'd uh, hit you with something huge here uh, this week. And Austin Aries, no doubt, prepares you for Slammiversary this Sunday live and on pay-per-view. Impact Wrestling is at it again. And this time coming back with a huge, huge main event as Austin Aries is taking on Moose with the Impact Wrestling Championship on the line. So tune into that. You can also get it on the Fight TV app. And I can guarantee you this, you will not be disappointed. So, John, with all that being said, why don't we do this? Let's hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. And let's get it on over to A-Double, the one and only Austin Aries. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, 
without any further ado, a three-time TNA World Heavyweight Champion, a two-time Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. You may know him as A-Double, or the greatest man that ever lived. We now know him as the Belt Collector, Austin Aries. Please enjoy. For a few seconds, this place was Armageddon. There was a firefight! Surprised that uh, you know that you were basically you know plant powered? 
Uh, you know, a little bit. I, I, I joke. I say, you know, people look at me and they, they go, wait a minute, well, you're you're too too small to be a professional wrestler. And then I go, and then I, well, wait a minute, you're too big to be vegan. Uh, so I, I, I kind of <laughs> kind of got confused on both fronts, but somehow I'm, I'm able to do both and uh, successfully. So um, I think I think the the, the perception is changing. I think there's more and more athletes who are adopting plant based lifestyles on a more mainstream level that people are becoming familiar with. And I think some of those old, um, you know, mindsets of what, what vegans are, what they look like, what they can and can't accomplish or do is changing because there's plenty of successful high-level athletes who have adopted a plant-based diet and uh, thriving on it. It is great. And you almost, you know, can change some lives by people just kind of paying attention to you and reading your book. And let's just even say they're a wrestling fan. Is that kind of, uh, you know, not extra pressure, but an extra responsibility to you that, you know, you're, you you know you're a wrestler and, and people like you for wrestling, but now they're kind of taking sure. life choices from you as well. Yeah, well, you know, you know, people ask me, you know, are you are you an advocate? And and I said, well, you know, kind of by default I am because I'm in the public eye because of you know what I do for a living. I have a platform and I have a voice, and I and I do take that responsibility seriously because I do remember being a kid and, and looking up to, to to the very wrestlers, and now there's some kid looking up to me and and uh, you know use that platform for something positive uh, is. I think you know it is a responsibility, and I think that one that we should take we should take seriously uh, because you know you lead by example, and you don't know the kind of impact you're having on other people's lives um, that are watching you and what you're doing. And uh, so, you know, I had a guy come up to me at one of my first festivals that I spoke at in uh, in Orlando, the Veg Fest there, and he came up and said, you know, I started watching you way back when you were back in TNA when you were doing the Austin Star gimmick and you're you know, the spectacular vascular vegetarian. And, uh, and, you know, then later on you went on to be vegan, and you're, you're a big reason why I, I decided to go vegan today. And he said he lost over 200 pounds uh, since he made that choice and completely changed his life. And, and you know what, like him coming up and sharing that story to me, um, you know, for, for, every, for every fan that's come up and told me about their, their favorite moment or their favorite match I've had, uh, for him to share that story with me was so much more meaningful in a different way because it really just – you know, change the course of this guy's life for the better, and it was just by lead by example and sharing, you know, my story. So I, that's what I want to continue to do. Amazing, amazing story, and it's really cool that wrestling, in a way, can kind of help you with speaking. Have you found it when you're doing all these speaking engagements and, you know, you're doing all these other shows outside of wrestling, you know, whether it's promoting sure. your book or whether it's, whether it's doing speaking engagements, have you found that kind of being a wrestler has made it easier for you to almost like transition to public speaking and things of that nature? Yeah, I, th- I think so in a way, you know, I, um, I'm obviously used to being able, you know, being in front of a, l- a large audience and, and speaking. And, and so the idea of kind of having the spotlight on me is something that, you know, it takes a while to get used to it. Luckily for wrestling, I've, I've, I've gotten used to it. Um, and I usually joke with these people, which, you know, sometimes can be a crowd of thousand people. I say, listen, you know, uh, you know, frankly, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable because usually when I'm up in front of this large of people, I don't have this many clothes on. Uh, so you know, um, you know, I'm actually up there fully clothed, and I'm not in spandex and baby oil. So that takes a little bit of the pressure off. And uh, and by and large, a lot of these festivals, when you're talking to people who are open-minded to plant-based and vegan lifestyles, um, you know, it, it tends to be a community of, of open-minded people, of, of compassionate-minded people. And uh, so, you know, I'm not too afraid of them uh, coming down too hard on me or starting a, a, a UF'd up chant, you know, or something if I if I screw up something. So they're a little more forgiving than maybe your typical uh, wrestling fan may be. That's true. Some of the wrestling fans are you know, a little bit brutal, and nowadays it seems like they, they want to uh, 
they want to get over, you know, as themselves, as the fans, they want to get over. So sometimes I feel like the wrestling fan nowadays can be a little bit brutal. They've been they've been given a glimpse behind the curtain, and, and now they all want to act like they hang out back there 24-7. But uh, I, I get it. You know, everyone, everyone gets their... Uh, Everyone gets their entertainment out of this art form differently, and, and as long as they're uh, being entertained and they're spending their time and their money and their energy to you know to support pro wrestling, I, I don't really see the difference. That's very true, and I don't know if you'll remember this, but I had uh, Jerry Lynn with me at the ECW arena. I believe it was November. I brought him in for an autograph signing. You came over the table, and I was like, "Oh, this is you know a great opportunity," and I can tell him, you know, how I used to go to the ROH shows. You know, a huge fan. You told me. Just an absolutely amazing story. I, I was like, oh, my God, I never heard that. And I don't know why I never read it, never heard it, but it was just an unbelievable story. Basically, and I, and I was telling you at that point, I was at uh, Final Battle 2004. You beat Samoa Joe for the world title. The crowd goes nuts. I mean, ape shit. Gabe Sapolsky, yeah. who was obviously the booker at that point in charge of ROH, I was sitting in the bleachers. He was standing next to me. He was going nuts. He was, like, popping like a fish, yeah. and he booked it have you win yeah the raw emotion that night was awesome it's like a goosebump feeling because joe was a monster was the champ for you know two years 600 days sure, plus sure. um it was unbeatable you give him that awesome kick to the head you give him the 450 you win the match you know brain buster the whole bit was awesome but i just remember i can't believe the booker was marking out for that do you remember that that moment in time I do, and I, you know, I think going back to that, I think for Gabe, like that, he, he took a huge risk and a huge chance on me, you know, I mean, because whoever they were going to be, whoever the guy was going to be to have that moment, like if it didn't click or it didn't connect with the audience, it was going to be a huge missed opportunity, right? Because Joe had raised the prestige mm-hmm. of that title so much that the next guy would be made as long as it was the right guy at the right time. And, you know, luckily for me, and I'm always grateful for Gabe, for putting me in that, that position and giving me that opportunity. And, um, you know, it was important for me to to try to create that moment and then try to capitalize on that momentum and everything that, that Joe had done and um, to the best of my ability. And so, you know, I think for Gabe, it was, you never know until the moment happens. Like, did they, did the story unfold the way they wanted it to and, 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 and was the crowd invested in it? And I think for him, that emotion was like uh, probably a bit of relief as much as anything else and excitement that, you know, like it, it clicked and we created that magic moment that people you know, still to this day, you're going to talk about probably one of the greatest moments in, in Ring of Honor history and one that people remember uh, remember being there. So, um, and you're really a testament, I think, to, to what Joe did for, for the time leading up to it, to, to have it have that much meaning for someone to beat him. Such an unbelievable time to be a fan, especially that time in ROH, and that was one of the greatest moments in the history of Ring of Honor in the 16 plus years they've been around. It's one of the greatest moments. I just the crowd reaction in Philadelphia that night. They were they were literally they were just nuts, and it was awesome to see Gabe go crazy. It, now you kind of alluded yeah. to a, a, gr- a great story about Joe uh, uh, beforehand. How you wanted to make him very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't, and I, and I hadn't gotten to know him. I mean, I'm still relatively new to the company. Really, I mean, I only been there maybe six months, so. I was still getting to know people, and, uh, you know, it was important to me that, you know, and, and, and Joe would have done whatever was asked, I'm sure, as being a professional, but it was important that he got to know me a little bit, he felt comfortable, and, and that I was the guy to be put in that position, because if he didn't, I don't know that I would have I would have accepted being there, you know, to be quite honest. So, uh, you know, I went out to L.A., and, and I had some other friends out there, and I did some training, and got to with them for a little bit, and just, you know, got to hang out outside of wrestling, get to know each other, and, and, uh, and I thought that helped, too, you know, for us then when we finally stepped in the ring 
uh, to maybe click a little better, have a little better uh, comfort level with, with who we were in the ring with and what we were trying to accomplish. So, um, yeah, you know, it was it, for me. It was it was a huge opportunity. It was it was the moment that was going to put me on the map, and I wanted to make sure I was doing everything I could to, to make the most of that. It's such a cool thing to have, you know, moments like that when you just look through wrestling, you know, like the highlight reel, if you will, like that's a huge highlight reel. I always remember because Generation X, when you guys came in, it was like, man, all these guys coming in at the same time because what happened with the Ring of Honor before that and TNA, I'm not going to get into that, but that Mm -hmm. whole situation kind of needed new stars. So when Generation X came in, it was almost like, man, how how are these guys going to get over? And the first night you guys were put together, you, you guys all got over, obviously, Shelly, Evans, Roderick Strong, and yourself. It's pretty amazing sure. to get spots from AJ and Daniels and things like that and, and get over. Do you have, you know, just fond memories of, of just, you know, being given the ball that early, even before the title, obviously, but being given the ball was like, well, let's see what you right. can guys can do, and then, boom, you basically started a new era of Ring of Honor. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think you have to look at, like, you know, got to give Gabe credit for having an eye for talent. You know, we were all still relatively new and starting to kind of make a national name for ourselves, you know, from from where we came from, you know, regionally. And, um, but yeah, Ring of Honor was a time where they needed something. And, and I think Gabe has alluded to this before. Again, this is another one of those moments where he just was really rolling the dice and this is kind of a make or break moment um, because of everything that was going on behind the scenes. They needed to create some new stars quickly. And he kind of, you know, he gave us the opportunity and we didn't really know about it ahead of time. We got there. You know, we, we had no idea uh, any of this was going to take place, and it just this was the opportunity, and, and we went out there, and I think we all were at a place in our career where we were hungry to prove prove ourselves. And, uh, yeah, it just clicked and, and really kind of shaped Ring of Honor moving forward in a lot of ways and also added, you know, four new guys into the fold with their CM Punks and these guys that had already been established to kind of create uh, some new exciting matchups and, some new, and, you know, just some new creative things to do. So, um, yeah, again, like, you know, I've had such a wonderful career and I've been so, so lucky along the way, but, you know, I always go back and, and give credit to the opportunities that were given to me from Gabe, you know, by Gabe and Ring of Honor as really, that, that was the catalyst that really allowed me to go from, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, wanting to be a professor officer to actually being able to say this is what I do for a living and, and be able to really take that to be my, my foundation to, to build on it ever since. Now, with Generation X, obviously, you know, they would all make a name for themselves. But you really kind of stood out from the group. I know Shelly was kind of the leader at first, but you're the one that really stuck out. And Survival of the Fittest, when you and Danielson had, and Brian Danielson at the end kind of had that longer match, building up to testing the limits, which was another match which was just unbelievable, and especially being there live for it. It was like, man, these guys are great. Like, it's just really impressive like you know you see you on the regional scene but then you see you really kind of breaking out do you think that you and danielson was just a great way to kind of showcase your skills especially have that long of a match about an hour and 20 minute match uh you know i think you know one thing i always i try to preach to young guys when i'm doing seminars or training is is that you know you're only going to get so good in, in your bubble so to speak and and wherever we all you know, come out of camp or wherever we all train our training schools. And there's going to come a point where you have to go out and you're going to have to go wrestle people that are better than you, you know, that come from different backgrounds that have different experiences because that's going to force you to grow and learn. And for me, you know, being able to, the opportunity to step in a ring of honor and having guys like Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe and the CM Punks, you know, here's the opportunity for me to consistently be working with guys that were at a higher level than I was used to. And it was the opportunity for me then to try to raise my game and to learn and to grow. And, and you know, 
with Brian, that's exactly what it was. And, you know, um, you know, to go in there and do 76 minutes, I think now I'll chalk it up to like, you know, too, too young and dumb to know better. Uh, so, <laughs> so went out there and did it. Um, <laughs> But at the time, kind of a you know, yeah, it was a challenge. And and this guy who I had you know the utmost respect for, uh, you know, wanted to go in there and test me uh, at that level, and and I was absolutely up for the challenge. And um, you know, very proud, very proud, you know, that uh, you know they were in there, go in there, and for 76 minutes, you know, really compete at a high level. And again, I've told the story many times, but it's it's, it's funny that I, I might repeat that you know it, for me again, still young in my career, kind of being tested. And, feeling really, really good at the end of the match um, and coming through the curtain and, and kind of, you know, you always like to get you know, some feedback and maybe a little bit of a, you know, a, a pat on the back from your, from your colleagues. And uh, as I came to the curtain, uh, not one person was left uh, because I'm sure at some point in the 45 minute mark, they decided all to go to the bar because they had seen enough wrestling for a night. I don't blame <laughs> them, uh, you know, but, but you come back with your chest tucked up, feeling good. You come back and, and there's not a soul back there. Uh, and then you clean yourself up and you find them all at the bar and, and, uh, and, uh, it was a good time, but, uh, yeah, um, absolutely getting in there and at that time to get to work with those guys consistently, um, absolutely, uh, you know, ra- gave me the opportunity to raise my game. And I really think that's, you know, what, that's how the wrestling system works, right? You know, you get your guys that are at the high level that, that have some experience, uh, have some name recognition, have some, uh, some tenure and, and, and those are the guys that, that basically become the, uh, the litmus test for, for the guys that have opportunities to step up and become those guys. And, uh, and every, every company needs to have those performers that, that can help the young guys uh, improve their game and give them the opportunity to, to step up and, and become those stars. And you absolutely passed pretty much every you know, test that they gave you. you know, obviously, Danielson passed the Flying Colors, World Champ Samoa Joe, you know, be him flying colors. Was it a lot of pressure at that point following in Joe's footsteps? Because you know that he made such a big impact, made it the ring of honor world title. And yeah, you know, it wasn't easy steps to follow in, so to speak. No. And, and, and I knew I could never, I could never come close to trying to do what he did, you know, and, and I've always tried to, I've never tried to copy or emulate what someone else has done. So, you know, I looked at what he did. And I said, well, I'm never going to beat his tenure or his reign, you know, uh, for, for length. Um, or, or even really, you know, the meaning of, of what he did. But what I tried to do was really make that a, a world title by trying to take it to as many countries as I could while I had it. And I, and I was able to accomplish that. And again, you know, my reign was about six months. But, you know, I'm pretty proud that in that six months, for at the time, uh, I was really going around. And obviously the, the, the independent seems a lot different now with the opportunities internationally. But at the time, I was trying to get out there and defend this title as much as I could, as many unique and different places as I could. And that was kind of what I was hoping to accomplish to kind of leave my little mark on, on the title for my time. So cool to be able to go all of those different places. Like you said, it was a six month title run. So it was pretty damn great. You know, beating Shelly and Spanky, Joe in a rematch, American Dragon. I mean, it's pretty damn good little run you had there. And, and I remember going to most of those shows at that point, but like, man, he, I mean, he really stepped up, you know, he's really the man right now. And then all of a sudden, you know, death before dishonor hits and just an epic match, with the CM Punk, which, you know, shocked the world, so to speak, that he would, you know, quote-unquote, leave with the title. At that point, did you expect sure. to hold the title a little bit longer, or did you feel like that was the right storyline to kind of lose the title and kind of tease that he was taking the title elsewhere? Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't, really, I didn't really put thought into it or expect anything. You know, I just kind of came to work, and, and I guess 
I did put a lot of thought into that. Um, obviously, it worked great. It was, ended up being a great storyline, you know. And, and, and it's funny because when I look back at a lot of my my best moments in wrestling, some of my, my most proudest matches are ones that I've lost world titles. You know, when I lost the world title to Punk, it's one of the most memorable matches, and I'm proud of that because I helped create that moment, you know. And same thing with, you know, where I lost the title to Tyler Black. I remember sitting there and listening to the crowd reaction and remember at the time um, – how, how they almost had kind of dropped the ball with them and waited too long and the crowd was starting to turn. And to be able to actually come around and get that reaction when he beat me uh, finally was, was really so satisfying. So, you know, I, I think it's a lot of things sometimes the fans don't don't think about when they're talking about who, who the best wrestler is or how good guys are or they're not is, is you know, who's really crafting that in the back and who's, who's really, you know, painting that picture. And sometimes, you know, again, for me, like my most – my greatest satisfaction is what I can do for other guys, because if that's my job for the night, I want to do that to the best of my ability. And uh, yeah, some of my favorite matches and most memorable moments have been what I've lost. And, and I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Thinking uh, with obviously the, the second time you win the ROH title, you at that point were the first one ever to do that. You were doing the, the a double, the greatest man that ever lived gimmick, which was uh, so funny, obviously, it is still a great gimmick, but it, when you were doing that, it was just so funny and so good. It was kind of a new element you added to your game. Was that something yeah. that you, you were always thinking, like you always want to tweak your character and change your character and kind of add something to it? Yeah, I think if you look at all guys who have had, you know, sustained success, uh, you have to, right? Again, Chris Jericho is probably one of the greatest of all time at doing that, of knowing when to just change it or change it up or tweak it just enough to keep it fresh and I felt with me coming in the second title reign like I you know and and the landscape being different that I needed to come with something different and you know to try to be um to try to be uh a bad guy and boot there wasn't always easy uh so for me to kind of you know I just I had more depth to me I knew as a character and, and it was great to be the wrestling machine and and be that kind of my persona, but I would say that's one of the hardest dollars to earn in wrestling is to just be the good wrestler guy. Um, and if you're not really 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 good at it, it's 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 damn near impossible to to make to make really good money just being the good wrestler guy. And uh, so I knew that I needed to add something more on top of that. And I felt at that time different. And obviously people knew what what, what to expect from me. And they knew what I what they were used to. So to give them something that deviated from that and almost not give them what they knew I could give them was in my way to kind of, in some ways, get under their skin. Because I felt the only way to really get booed there is to take away what they know that they, you could give them and not give it to them. And so that was really my mindset for that, for that time period because I felt it was other, other guys' jobs now to step up and give the fans what they wanted to see, not me. That was such a hard crowd, like you said. I mean, I remember vividly, like, like man, like they're not booing and when they're supposed to boo, not cheering when they're supposed to cheer. They, you know, they, they, they kind of, not went into business for themselves, but they kind of did what they wanted to do. They kind of didn't follow along with exactly what you thought they would do. So you kind of had to go above and beyond. And that's great that you, you know, you really thought about that consciously. You know, how can I get booed? You know, how can, you know, I make sure that these people hate me. Did you think at that point, like you, you kind of mentioned it, but do you think Tyler Black should have won the title a little bit earlier? Um, in, in that run, obviously, before the, you know, you beat Jerry Lynch with that and all that, but you kind of think that they almost gave it to him too late and the crowd was really in jeopardy of kind of turning and, and doing exactly what they didn't want to happen? Well, I, you know, I think, you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of changes going on. So, you know, when it happens, sometimes things that have been building 
to conclusions, uh, you know, things change. You know, it's like kind of bringing in a new coach or something mid-season or a new ownership team. Sometimes things that have been set in motion, uh, sometimes, you know, there, there's a, a, you know, a, a little break in, in the continuality, so to speak. So, yeah, I think, I think that's suffered a little bit. I think, you know, it's hard to say because I think eventually, you know, when you did win it, there was some level of success that we had to kind of, it took longer to get there than maybe it needed to. But, again, um, you know, I, I think the beautiful thing about wrestling is, like, that there's always a way to do something. And, and sometimes if you don't strike right when the iron's hot, it doesn't mean you've missed the opportunity. You just may have to get creative and think about how you get back around to it or recreate it. And, um, you know, we've seen it happen historically with a lot of different guys. So, you know, and I think also, uh, you know, uh, and obviously he's been so successful, you know, to, uh, to say it, but uh, credit to, you know, to Tyler Black at the time or Seth Rollins, you know, and obviously being talented enough to kind of weather that, that change and that, and that storm, so to speak, to still come out and, and be successful. So, uh, and again, one of my favorite matches, 60-minute draw, Blizzard, New York City, the people hated it, uh, and, uh, and they were supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember being shocked that uh, he didn't win. Oh, man, everyone was, like, was so mad. Everybody was so mad. <laughs> I still read comments to say, that was the worst match I've ever seen. I was, sat there for a whole hour. He just ran the clock out. Yep. <laughs> that is great Talk when you get kind of – oh, yeah. Right, especially with that crowd where it's almost impossible to get them where you want to. Isn't that just the best feeling that you were able to accomplish the goal you were set to accomplish? Yeah, well, I think in that, in that particular scenario, because it was final battle, everyone had kind of decided, like, okay, here's where it's finally going to come to fruition, and they're going to finally pull the trigger, like, you know, after all this time. And I think when it didn't happen, and then also they didn't get this, you know, five-star classic of a match, it, it was really off-putting, but, you know, I kind of felt again at the time as my character that to finally, we, you know, and again, that wasn't my call obviously to, 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 to go 60 minutes, but once that was the decision, it was, well, how do we do this? And you know what? Uh, it was a learning experience and, uh, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, that old tenure was fun. It was again, doing something different and new with the character and, uh, and feeling your way through it. And not everything is a home run, but you know, that, that's part of the learning process to, to continue to grow and get better. Now you're one of the founding fathers, so to speak, and not really, if you think about it, but I consider you one of the founding fathers of ROH because when you guys set off that new era, you know, you beat Joe, you, your wars with Danielson, epic matches with punk, uh, even great matches with Loki. I mean, I just always think of you being an ROH original, What's it like kind of returning in 2018 to Ring of Honor? It's a whole different ball game, and obviously you know, different booker, uh, different owners. I mean, it's, everything is different. What's it like in 2018 in Ring of Honor? Oh, man, you know, it's been a lot of fun, and it's it's just cool mixture of, like, going there and, like, feeling like you're kind of, like, in a, you're going back home in a familiar setting, but you look around, like, everything's been kind of remodeled, and it's nicer and newer, and, there's, you know, a little more money's been spent on things, and you're kind of like, hey, you're, Things have been good while I've been away, you know, and uh, hmm. so yeah, it, it's really cool. And 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 you know, obviously, there's a good mix of you know guys that I'm, you know, you know have, have been in the locker room with for so many years. You know, Christopher Daniels and, and, and Frankie Kazarian and BJ Whitner, obviously, um, you know, Delirious, who I kind of you know broke in the Midwest around the same time, so I've known him for a long time. So, um, and then you have all these kind of you know these young, young young guys that are kind of trying to make their name for themselves, and then you've got the influx of 
of uh, you know the New Japan guys. I mean, it's just it's it's a great it's a great energy right now. They've got they've got a good thing going. I think they're coming off you know probably the most successful year. And um, you know, yeah, you know, it feels good to know that you know the stuff that I was able to help do early in the early years. Uh, along with a lot of those guys, help lay the foundation for the success they're having today, and, and hopefully for the next, you know, you know, twenty, thirty years moving forward. Now, obviously, you know, you're known as the bell collector now, and you're doing such a great job. You know, you're free. You're you're working anywhere you want to work, whenever you want to work. All these different promotions: MLW, ROH, Impact, uh, IPW, uh, Defiant Wrestling, Defy Wrestling. I mean, you're everywhere. Is that a good feeling for you to kind of be free and literally do whatever the hell you want to do and wrestle wherever you want and just kind of just collect belts, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole belt thing, it's, it's you know, it, it, I don't, it wasn't supposed to be a thing. It just became a thing, and, and, uh, and it's been fun. And I think that, you know, for me, I look at it like this. It's, it's one of those situations where obviously it helps, it helps me and my profile, but I think the bigger picture, the way I looked at it was that, it's helping, you know, it's helping just some of these companies uh, that I think, you know, are good companies that are doing good things around the world and just trying to bring them a little exposure too and, and maybe, you know, get some new eyes on what they're doing because the cool thing is now with, with all of our different social platforms is that, you know, we, we can watch all different wrestling from all different parts of the world. Uh, it's, it's a lot different time now. And, um, yeah, you know, honestly, I got to say, like, since really since the, the turn of the new year, I don't know that I've ever had more fun wrestling in my whole career than I've been having like the last six or eight months. Uh, it, it's really been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, just to really be able to sink my teeth into things creatively and to do it across different promotions and within, within whatever the business needed to be done uh, and the parameters that it had to be done in to be able to give the creative, creative freedom and the trust to just be able to do, uh, you know, what, what I thought was best and what I thought would be, you know, creatively the, the way to go about doing things and it's been a lot of fun to kind of have that creative freedom back to kind of get your get your paintbrush back so to speak and, and, and a blank canvas uh, as opposed to a, a paint by color you know coloring book so um yeah and it's just it, i'm really excited just to kind of see where pro wrestling is in a whole you know just to see how vibrant it is uh you see this next generation of guys that that are really taking ownership of their brands and working hard to get themselves out there there's, you know, there's so many successful promotions that have loyal fan bases uh, consistently. They're able to get their product out there on an on a, a international level, so they're, so they're gaining notoriety on an international level. That's opening up so many different opportunities for guys to travel internationally now uh, because their names have value. And, and places like that I've gone, like Peru and Chile and Australia, and, you know, obviously England's a hotbed. Um, you know, these places now are, you know, are viable options for guys to go on a consistent basis and make money. And uh, it's just a really good time to be a, an independent pro wrestler. And, um, you know, again, I say in a country where we really, we really talk about one of the greatest things in America is freedom and independence. Um, I don't know why being a quote unquote indie wrestler is looked down upon, but I think it's a pretty sweet job and, and I'm enjoying it a whole hell of a lot right now. You are doing so much and you're doing so well. It's awesome to see and I kind of love that Impact is, is kind of fortifying himself and becoming strong again with, obviously, Damore and Callis and, you know, a little bit of different uh, ownership, if you will, or different guys running the show. Have you felt it, a little bit of a, of a difference yeah. in, in, in Impact? It's completely different. I mean, I, I've said this before, and, and, and Scott says of all the, of all the things that I've, that I've said to be an ambassador, you know, that, that the one thing that stands out is that the fact that I'm actually back there at Impact Wrestling – 
it should tell everybody that that place is completely different. Um, you know, I, I would not be back there if, if there was, uh, if there was anything remaining of, of the, the old mindset of how that place was run. The talent was never a question. The game plan and how they went about executing it for me uh, was always the thing that was going to hold it back. And, you know, from, from the time that discussion started with Sanjay and then on to Scott and with Don, um, for me it was always about how they want to run the business and how they want to, uh, again, wrestling's in a unique time. And, and the way that we structure our relationships with talent and promotions, um, which has been primarily dictated by one person's train of thought, doesn't have to be the only way that wrestling is done. You know, nobody owns, nobody, in, in my opinion, nobody owns the uh, patent on the art form of professional wrestling and the way it does its business. So there's an opportunity now to do business differently with talent and, and, and the promotion because the landscape's different, you know, it's and, and different than it's ever been. So, you know, when starting to talk with them and getting their philosophies and telling them kind of my philosophies on, on how I think a successful promotion can be run, you know, a lot of things are lining up and, and you're seeing they're executing it and they're really letting guys be independent contractors, having some freedoms, allowing them to keep their intellectual properties, um, you know, trying to work with promotions and really be, um, you know, just kind of obviously, you know, extend out and be olive branch to different promotions and kind of be a hub or some of these uh, more local promotions can get some more notoriety and, and just work partnerships. So um, it's a cool thing and just it's creating some unpredictability, which we haven't had in wrestling for a while. You know, like for a guy like me to show up randomly in, at Ring of Honor uh, or to have two title matches on, you know, two different television shows for two different promotions in the same week, um, that's stuff that, that, you know, hasn't really happened. Um, so, you know, the Jericho Cruise now, and you've got, you're going to have Ring of Honor there, you know, Impact Wrestling there. Obviously, there's the Lucha Underground uh, connection. I mean, there's just so many cool things going on right now. So it's so unpredictable, and it just makes it really exciting. Crazy time to be a wrestling fan, it's, and it's unbelievable that all these promotions are kind of working together. When you know, in the past, they would avoid each other or, or you know, run against each other or try to tear each other down. So it's crazy. And you mentioned Lucha Underground. It's crazy to see Pentagon Junior Phoenix, who was away from Lucha Underground, back with Lucha Underground, and then all of a sudden, in Impact Wrestling, and you're wrestling them. Is that just like a surprise to you to see that you know all these guys kind of jumping freely? wherever they want, especially Pentagon and Phoenix, where you know that they're top talent in another organization. Sure. Well, I was just thinking, again, it's just it's how the landscape's changing. And you want to stay, you want to kind of stay, you want to stay with the times. And it just, I don't think it's, I think when these promotions look at, at the landscape, it doesn't serve any of them to try to be greedy or selfish or also to alienate their fan base by by kind of insulting their intelligence that these other wrestlers from other promotions don't exist or that we don't cross over, you know? So again, I said that there's a huge, right now there's this, you know, there's this huge beach of sand and we don't all, all have to work together and build one big sand castle. But I think the days of going around and kicking over other people's sand castles is hopefully behind us. And, and the people who do want to work together can, can build some bridges from sand castle to sand castle and, and, and profit from it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like you know what happened over with with um, IPWK and and, and Defi, uh, Defiant over there. You know, I was brought over to work to to, to wrestle with with IPW um, UK, and then and then also you know was contacted to do some stuff with Defiant, and then with just talking out different creative ideas. You know, did, did this kind of cool invasion angle where they kind of collaborated for for a handful of months. It, it opened up some some new opportunities for guys to get some more work with both promotions. 
um, you know, brought some eyes from the different different companies to one another. And I think all in all, you know, it was a cool, creative thing. It's not it's not like it hasn't been done before, but for them it was a mutually beneficial situation that I was happy to kind of be the bridge to, to kind of bring together. It's always cool to see different organizations that you never thought would work together work together because that's when the fans generally win because you're getting crea- creative great matches, you know, getting creativity through the wazoo, and it's pretty cool to get dream matchups as well. So it's it's definitely beneficial for the fans. I just love the whole belt collector gimmick that you can kind of go to any company you want. You know, you're going here, going there, and you're just going to quote-unquote collect belts, and you're going to win that title like you right. want to win the ROH TV title. That You know, you're the sure. Impact Champion, and you unified it with the grand title. I just think that that is such a great gimmick, and you said it just kind of came came about but is that something that you know you wanted to do as, as far as as creatively and as far as a gimmick because i think it's such a kind of different idea and it's such a cool idea and it's such almost like a a new idea i mean you've seen ultimo dragon years ago when all those belts but sure. never really be so cocky and brash about it. like i'm going to collect every belt i can yeah i mean it, it really was like it'd be great i'd love to sit here and go yeah yeah so i had this great idea i was like you know what i think i'm just going to win all the belts <laughs> like, of course, who would think that, who would think that's a great idea? But like, who would actually sit there and seriously think about that? And and I read and I read these things, or I get I get comments and stuff directed to me, like, um, like, uh, or I've read that like that's part of my requirements to go workplaces is that I've got to win your belt. So it's, I'm not kidding. So um, it it it, uh, it cracks me up. But no, man, it, like like I said, it really just kind of happened organically. And after like after the third one, so like. You know, originally I went to World Series Wrestling. Australia was one of the first, and a great, great place over there. Adrian Monero doing a, uh, just an awesome job with that promotion. You know, they do four four show uh, tours, uh, three city four show tours about every three months. So I, that was one of the first places that I went and wrestled. You know, leaving uh, leaving WWE and um, won the championship there, which made me excited because I meant I get to go back to Australia. You know, that was why I was most excited because um, I love Australia. And, uh, and then the stuff kind of happened in the UK, and all of a sudden I kind of found myself with three championships. And, um, and then really when, we, when the impact, uh, impact opportunity happened, uh, that was really what kind of solidified it. And, and um, you know, yeah, it's just kind of taken a life of its own. And, and you know, uh, so I'll run with it, you know, and, and uh, it's something a little different, and it kind of fits my character. And, uh, you know, and I knew, I knew eventually, and this is where I always knew I would be the most beneficial, is that, while you get the initial like, uh, oh, we, 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 you know, welcome back kind of tour and everyone cheers for you, um, you know, walking out with four, five, six title belts, like I do, I knew eventually would start to get the people to turn on me a little bit because everyone likes the underdog. They don't like you once you actually get your success. So, uh, yeah, and so now, you know, firmly, uh, it fits quite well as, as I can just kind of be my arrogant, uh, cocky self, get under your skin and um, wait for you to to hopefully, you know, see, see my comeuppance, which doesn't happen too often because I'm so good. <laughs> great, great point. Now, you know, you mentioned leaving the WB, and obviously when some people leave the WB, it's always like, oh, it's a downer, you know, oh, what am I going to do for here, you know, oh, it could be depressing, oh, they, they were the big dog. Wrestling has changed so much, especially now. It's like you leave WB, your stock can rise. You're one of the guys that you left there, and your stock rose tremendously. Did you initially think that when you left 
that the stock would be, you know, rising quickly and you'd get out of there and you'd be free and you'd be happy? Or are you thinking, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do now? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect. You know, um, it kind of happened. A, a lot of stuff happened really quick and kind of left me trying to figure out what what was what, you know, and, and, what, and what side was up. So there was a period there where, you know, just the transition was difficult and figuring out, all right, like, so what's the next step? Obviously, like, I'm a pro wrestler, so there's always going to be opportunities to do that. But I didn't know exactly what the opportunities would look like. Um, you know, and again, you know, Adrian Monero was one of the first guys to reach out in Australia, which for me, again, I hadn't been there in a, in a decade, and I, love, and I love Australia. So, you know, and then, and then really once, you know, once people knew that I was available to start taking bookings, uh, you know, my inbox just started becoming flooded and from all these places around the world. And that's when I realized, like, holy cow, like the landscape's a lot different than, than when I went there. You know, when I went to WWE, like it's changed so much just in a few years. And, um, and obviously, like, in that platform helped raise my stock. Like, there's no, no debating that, right? Like, they, they, my time there was wonderful and, and, and did so much for me, and I'm grateful for it. And I think it, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. And a lot of people are like, oh, they treated you so bad, and it was awful. And I go, listen, in 18 months, I went from, like, kind of an NXT afterthought to get an opportunity to be a commentator on Monday Night Raw to wrestling on Monday Night Raw and pay-per-views to WrestleMania. I did that in 18 months. Like, that, that's a pretty good year and a half for a guy who I don't think any of that was really planned for. So I got exactly what I needed out of my time there. I'm grateful for it. And, and on the other side now, um, I'm really happy to be in the position I'm in, and a lot of it wouldn't be possible if I hadn't been there for that time. Do you ever think that, you know, like WrestleMania pre-show against Neville and not making the DVD, you know, stuff like that, does that really, you know, does that bother you at all? Because great match should have maybe been on the main card or stuff like that. Does stuff like that get to you at all, or you just kind of brush that off and just, you know, look at the positives? Uh, well, you know, again, like, so as far as the, as far as the, the kickoff show, the main show, like, uh, listen, I was, I was grateful to be there. There's, there's a lot of people that are going to be very good at what they do that will never get the opportunity to walk down that stage. Kickoff show main show, post-show, show the next day, show the next, you know what I'm saying? So, like, from that standpoint, I got to, I got to walk out there in front of 60,000, 70,000 people. I, there was a validation for everything I've done to this point in my career to say, you are good enough to, to walk down this stage, you deserve to walk down this stage. And, and so there's that part of it that, that, that I look at it from that, you know, perspective. On the other perspective, when I looked at it from we're trying to raise yet and elevate the 205 Live brand, I thought they could have made a huge statement by putting us in a more important part of the card because I knew we were going to deliver. And I thought we had one of the best storylines that had been given the most time to develop of anybody on, on really the whole, the whole roster. Uh, and while not everyone can make the, the main card, it's impossible. I understand that. I thought that there was an opportunity that they could have done because nobody expected us. Listen, everyone expected we were going to be on the, 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 the kickoff show. I mean, that was – and so I felt they could have made a statement by saying, you know what, we're going to give you guys a little more of a spotlight. Um, but, you know, all in all, like, it didn't bother me. Like, I understood it. Like, like, I can have my opinion from a business standpoint what would have been more effective. At the end of the day, we got to go out there for 20 minutes and do something we love to do at the highest level in front of 60,000 people. Um, so – Again, there's, there's, it, everything's not black and white. And, and as far as not being on the DVD, uh, I don't know why it wasn't. I didn't, wasn't aware that it wasn't until I had to tweet about the DVD and then realized that I wasn't even on the DVD that I was about to tweet about. And I was trying to think of a, 
witty and sarcastic way to think of how would I promote a DVD that I probably should be on, but I'm not on. Um, so, there, but there was no like, I wasn't like really angry about it. It, it was just, that was what the, you know, I just said too bad one of the best matches of the night was on the DVD. Now, in my opinion, like that's not a false statement, but that certainly wasn't uh, any catalyst for my unhappiness or, or bitching and moaning about anything. Uh, I'm a little perplexed why when you have this many hours of footage on a DVD, why this one 20 minute match didn't make it, but whatever. It's, it's, it's how it is, right? Like, I think that one got really overblown. Um, but there were a lot of things that left me kind of scratching my head uh, when, it comes, when, it, when it comes down to how the, the, the entire division was handled. Uh, when you tell me that this is important, we want to make this a brand, we want this to tour, we want this to merchandise, um, that sounds good, but a lot of the actions didn't necessarily match up to that. Very, very confusing with 205 Live because they did. They wanted to start touring and branding and making it big. So, you know, why wouldn't you give it a, a bigger platform? Why wouldn't you really try to push it? It's almost like they're not really trying to push it. It's almost like ass backwards the way that they do things up there. Again, like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know all the factors behind the scenes. Um, I, I felt that there was opportunities, uh, and I know I certainly – pitched ideas and opportunities that I thought would have helped um, raise the elevation of the brand in general, not just myself, but just overall the perception of the 205 Live roster, uh, just interacting more with, with uh, you know, other, other superstars and things of that sort. So, uh, but again, hey, you know, all I, and, and, and uh, listen, I know that having an opinion doesn't always do you any favors, but, um, you know, I'm someone who takes, you know, I take pride in my work. Uh, I, I'd like to think that what I have between my ears is, is every much a reason that I've been able to sustain some level of success uh, as any of my other attributes. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, so I have my opinions, but at the end of the day, I don't get paid to make decisions. So, um, and, and that's all I can really, all I can do is, is uh, offer opinions, and, but the decisions ultimately are someone else's hands. Now, you're a guy that has literally wrestled all over the world. We just talked about Australia and Peru and England and, you know, obviously all over the United States. And, I mean, you've literally wrestled everywhere. Is there a place you haven't wrestled yet that, you know, you would love to wrestle? Is there possibly a country or you know, a place that you haven't been able to wrestle yet? You know, the one spot's Hawaii. Like, really, of all the places I've been, I haven't been to Hawaii yet and wrestled there. Um, so obviously I'd love to make it over there. It's maybe not right now. Maybe we'll let the, we'll let the volcano calm itself down a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that's a spot, you know, I haven't been back to Japan for a while and obviously New Japan is, is, uh, you know, one of the top promotions in the world and, and a place that one of the few places I haven't really ever worked. Um, so, you know, if the right opportunity presented itself, that's something I'd, I'd obviously be open to doing. Um, but really, you know, one of the great things about my job is it's just allowed me to, to travel all over the world. So really anywhere I haven't been yet, uh, if there's wrestling there, I'd love to go and, and check it out. Now, as we start to hit the wind-down button and, and just have a couple more questions, I just was curious of you, is there any kind of dream matches? I mean, obviously, I mean, if you just think about all the amazing guys you wrestled, whether, you know, whether it's TNA with uh, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and Bobby Roode and all these amazing guys, mm -hmm. and then you think of Kenta and Takeshi Morishima Oh, my God, like all these amazing guys. Is there a match possibly in your head, like a dream match, of a guy you haven't actually wrestled yet? Uh, well, I mean, uh, you know, the one, that, the one that always comes to mind right now, especially uh, because he's, you know, he's always in the news, is, is Chris Jericho. Uh, you know, that was something that I, you know, I was, I was lobbying for that when we were both working, uh, both working with WWE, even if it was just some sort of interaction. Uh, 
obviously a guy who I've just a ton of respect for um, and have, have always been a huge fan of. Um, and, I, and obviously now it could actually happen. So, so that's the one I always throw out there. Um, never been in the room with Cody Rhodes. Uh, you know, Nick Aldis is the inevitable world champion for now. Kenny, Kenny Omega just won the IWGP championship. Uh, so you, you, you kind of see where I'm at. I'm looking at the guys that are holding the titles and, and saying, like, hey, there could be some real intriguing matchups and, and things that could be first-time matchups that have never happened. So, you know, right place, right time. Um, those things all appeal to me. Um, you know, I think, you know, an, another one, too, uh, who I just, you know, ran into not that long ago would be, would, would be Tanahashi, you know. Um, just a, a guy who's, uh, who's legendary in this country and, and just been one of the top performers for so long uh, and can still go to high level, you know, even though we're both we're both a little long in the tooth by some standards of this profession. But, uh, yeah, you know, and there's probably some I've forgotten that, that if you ask me tomorrow, I'll give you six different answers. <laughs> You know, obviously, you know, you've had so many damn good matches and so many, like, highlight reel moments. That beating Joe for the title is just one that will always live in my mind because I was there live, and obviously Gabe screaming and yelling and cursing next to me in my ear. I'll never forget that. But do you have some favorite matches that, that stick out in your career? You know, maybe a couple that you've had that really, really stand out above, above the rest because it's probably hard for you to pick of all people, but any that stick out to you? Yeah, and it's funny because the ones that stick out to me would not be ones that would probably stick out to any fans, uh, because the fan the, the matches that I like remember finally are probably just because they were the most fun I had, and they probably weren't like serious, uh, you know, uh, four star you know type matches, work rate matches. Um, so I mean, I recently just wrestled Marty Skrull, uh in in Chile, uh, or actually maybe that was actually that was in that might have been in Peru, but uh, you know. Everyone out that one night was working really hard. It was one of their bigger shows. You know, they had a couple thousand people there, and the guys were and the guys were treating as such, and they were and they were physically going out there and really putting their bodies on the line. And uh, you know, we were out later in the car, and, and and you know, there had been a lot there had been a lot to the show already. So, you know, I was trying to think of what what can I what, what can I do and give them that's different. And um, you know, after everything they'd seen that night, you know, Marty being you know being kind of cut from a similar cloth as I am, uh, you know, we went out there and. Uh, I used my banana, you know, and uh, <laughs> basically it culminated, it culminated in us touching banana tips. I pulled a big banana out of my pants. He pulled a small banana out of his pants, uh, you know, and instead of shaking hands, we touched banana tips, and, and the, crowd was, the crowd was eating it up, uh, you know. So, that, like, that was a fun match. Uh, I, I wrestled Loki, uh, and actually that was – Loki was the match that I wrestled down in Chile, and uh, we literally did a lockup and wouldn't let go for almost – five minutes while we just we struggled around the whole arena and people's laughs and, and, and on couches and and all sorts of things like that and uh you know uh and then i remember finally a match i had back with brian kendrick back in the day i think it was at uh pro wrestling gorilla and uh, we just kind of tried to out cheat each other until we both tried to fake knee injuries until the ref turned his back and we both tried to hit each other with foreign objects and uh unluckily for me uh he fell on top of me when we were both knocked out and beat me but uh that that type of shenanigans match. Uh, those are the matches I look back at and go, man, that was a lot of fun. And and uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to. There's a lot of different types of entertainment people can get out of wrestling matches. And you know, sometimes laughing or having a good laugh uh, is just as good as as putting them on the edge of their seat for that kick to the head brainbuster 450 combo. You know. That is true, and it's interesting. Some of the wrestlers you talk to, you would think, you know, maybe you would say, oh, Brian Danielson, Matt, or something. It is interesting that it, you, you know, your, the matches were 
maybe it's less pressure of, of just going out there and, and having to have a five-star match or, you know, four-star match or whatever. It's interesting. It's, it's always seems to be more of the fun matches where you kind of take it easy and kind of have the crowd in the palm of your hands and just have uh, fun and relax out there over a match where you, you know, might have broken your neck or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's something that, that you know, a, a few years into my career, a couple years into my career, you know, I, I, a veteran pulled me aside. His name was Dan Casual Sexton. That guy's a real, guy's a real, uh, real stand-up lad. You should check him out sometime. Him and his buddy, the Piston Ted Dixon. But Casual Sexton pulled me aside and he really explained to me, like you know, and showed me uh, that if you're not having fun out there, the chances are the people probably aren't having fun watching you out there. Uh, so while it's good to take this seriously and, and have your game face on, um, that really at the end of the day, like, isn't what life and everything is about is about having fun. Uh, so, so don't forget that, and don't take, don't take any of this too seriously at the end of the day. And, and um, so, you know, once I realized that, you know, that you, you don't always have to be uh, the straightforward wrestler guy. You know, sometimes you can lighten up and have some fun out there, and, and then everyone's going to have some fun with you. Where do you see Austin Aries, the belt collector, in, let's say, five years from now, like, still wrestling, still collecting belts, still traveling the world. Can you even look that far ahead and kind of see where you're going to be, maybe not even a wrestler, or are you still going to be in the business? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, physically, I'm feeling good. And, you know, in the last few months, uh, as I've kind of relocated uh, and and got a good team around me, you know, I've gotten into uh, you know, physically I'm feeling really good. You know, I've been doing a lot of yoga. I started with doing DDP yoga, and now it's just progressing and doing all different types of yoga. And that's really helped me feel rejuvenated and, and, and you know, physically good. So, you know, I think physically I don't think that there's any limitations. That You know, I think easily I could get another five years at a high level. Um, but we'll see, man. It's, it, you know, life's so unpredictable. If you would ask me a year and a half ago where I would have seen myself, you know, my life was completely different. And uh, so... Who knows, you know, in five years I could be living in Bali just wrestling in Australia a few times a year uh, while I'm just w- making money on my computer working the stock market or something, you know. Uh, maybe maybe opening up some little <laughs> vegan cafe over there. And, and uh, I mean, honestly, like, I'm at that place now where who knows, like, life is, like, wide open, uh, full of opportunity. And I'm just kind of riding the waves right now. And pro wrestling wrestling's you know, providing, uh, providing that platform to do it. And then, you know, that's obviously allowing me the platform then to step out into the, the plant-based community and kind of food advocacy and, and, and help raise awareness about, you know, dietary choices and, and the effects that, that it has. So, uh, you know, life's good right now. And, and hopefully in five years, uh, that'll be the same answer. And obviously the book is a Food Fight, My Plant-Powered Journey, definitely being successful it's definitely getting out there changing some lives changing some perceptions gotta love that and then obviously if you want to change your diet or change your life anyway definitely would highly highly recommend that book austin do you have any other you know plugs or anything you want to put out there social media or you know any way the fans can reach out and touch you yeah i mean i'm on my instagram quite a bit um you know posting lots of pictures of uh, food, or you know, sometimes I put some ass shots up there for hump day because I know that everyone loves those. But uh, that's Austin Healy, H E A L Y Aries. That's my middle name, Healy. Austin Healy Aries. Uh, that's my Instagram. You can go to my website, which is theaustinaries.com. I got some recipes up. Uh, you know, I've, I've got my events calendar, so you can kind of keep track of where I'm going. You can order my book. You can go to my pro wrestling tea store on there. Uh, see all my different affiliates and sponsors I work with. And, uh, yeah, and I think those are the two places. I'm on the Twitter machine once in a while. 
but 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 really the Instagram and obviously my website uh, is the main hub. So and uh, yeah. Good stuff, and I'll always remember a final battle 2004 almost like it was yesterday just because I was there and just one of those great experiences in wrestling that you can kind of only get uh, you know, from a wrestling fan, those me- memories and moments that just stick with you uh, and that crowd reaction, that pop. So I'll always kind of have that in my mind, you beating Joe for the title of final battle, just an awesome, awesome moment in, uh, in pro wrestling lore and pro wrestling history. Yeah, man, I appreciate that, and and that's that's one of those you know special moments when everything comes together. That is why we all love, you know, why we all love this art form. From obviously from my standpoint as a performer to to a fan, and that's the magic of what we're able to create. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, I have the opportunity to continue to do that uh, down the road and, and some other matchups. And hopefully, when we do this interview in ten years, you'll be telling me about that time in 2019. You remembered uh, maybe when I won the Arrowwich title again the third time. Who knows? <laughs> I am definitely looking forward to that. Thank you so much for all the time you gave us, and I am looking forward to seeing you collect some more belts. Outstanding. I appreciate your time as well. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.